0: risen death where is your sting it is such a wonderful morning I hope that the idea of a risen Lord shakes you to the core not because of fear out of being scared to death but the power in our risen Lord the power that came from that you know Christ has been raised That is so, it is so wonderful. We no longer have to fear the Lord, as in be scared of His wrath, but we can have peace through Christ who has been raised and conquered. Death. This is amazing. This is the foundation of our faith. This is the foundation of our trust. I don't know about you, but when I go to jump out onto something, I want to trust that it's going to stay there, right? You've tried to jump on, you know, from boat to boat. I've done that. I don't recommend that. Not every boat has a good, solid foundation. It's floating on fluidity, right? It doesn't stay put, right? Kedrick found that out when he tried to jump in his kayak. Well, it wasn't his kayak, but the kayaks we were borrowing, and he landed in the, the ocean. It wasn't stable, but we serve a risen Lord. We have a living hope. I love this verse. I want to start out with this before we pray and we read 1 Corinthians this morning, our text, 1 Corinthians 15. In John 11, Jesus said to her, I am. Don't miss those words. What God is saying right there, just in those two little words, I am. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the million dollar question. It's not believe like you know, but believe that you trust are you willing to jump into the fullness of Christ? He is our foundation. The purpose of the resurrection, that's what we want to look at, is why, what did, why did God do it this way? What does this mean for us? So would you pray with me as we read his holy word and as we think about this? Do you believe this? Because the Corinthian church struggled with this. They'd gotten their focus On something else. Let's pray. Lord as we read your word. I pray that you would lift it into our hearts. That you would share its meaning to us this morning. That you would remove my quirkiness out of the way. That Lord together today. We would hear from you and your living word. Lord may you do what you need to do. Surgically on our lives this morning. Strengthen our faith bring great joy and remove the sorrows of the world and that we would proclaim you as the risen Lord to our neighbors with great power and with great confidence. May, Lord, you be on our minds, be on our hearts. Lord, give us great confidence. Thank you for your love that was on display. Lord, you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you are the judge, because, Lord, you are not only the judge, but you are the forgiver and the merciful one. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. May we hold your word high, hold your name high. May we treat you as holy this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we read this, you got to understand, the Corinthian church, man, they were... They were a lively bunch. I mean, I sing these songs this morning. I can't help but be lively. I was just having fun with my three-year-old boy up there. He was stomping his feet. We needed the banjo out earlier. I love that banjo. <laughs> so I have two of them in my office. Ernest has just got to teach me how to play them. So, <laughs> so we'll have fun in my office. I just can't help. but I mean, he is alive. And if that doesn't stir something within you, then I don't know who's living in you because he's alive. And I can't help but be emotional because that was the purpose of the resurrection was to take which was dead and make me alive. And this church was alive, but they got alive and they got alive in all the wrong things. In 1 Corinthians, the, the Corinthian church, they had gotten their focus on the same things that the culture around them were doing. They were worshiping other gods. They were bringing temple worship from around them. And they were bringing it into the church. And that brought in a lot of other things, a lot of immorality, a lot of idol worship. I mean, and they had forgotten what made them alive. And so that's why... We see Paul saying what he's saying because they began to even question, well, what do we even need the resurrection for? Man, what do we need the resurrection for? We are not alive without the resurrection. Listen to what God shared to the church and may it bless us this morning. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 and following, it says, Now... If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. What we're standing on is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised not even Christ has been not been raised and if Christ has not been raised our faith is futile and you are still in your sins I don't know about you, but I would not want to hear that. I don't want to be found in my sin. One day, listen to this. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They're nothing, is what he's saying. If in Christ we have hoped in this life only, we are of the people the most pitied. But in fact, I love that right there, the but, right? Right? Changes everything. That's a great English thing right there. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, so through Adam came death. But a man has come also, the resurrection of the dead through Christ. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ we shall be made alive. Amen? Through Christ, through his resurrection. Well, the purpose of the resurrection, you're taking notes, it activates the gospel. It's the activator. It's the activating agent. I don't know if you've ever used that JB Weld stuff. If you have, it's probably because something horribly went wrong with the motor. (laughs) It saved me more than once. I always carry that, right? And you it's no good if you just take one side of it, it comes in two parts. And it's like clay, and I like clay, I don't know about you, but that was the best part of kindergarten getting to play with clay. And if I have clay and you use it, but what does it do? It just dries up and falls apart, and it's good for nothing. But in this J.B. Weld stuff, you take it and you mix it together, and about if you get the really the heavy-duty marine stuff, it activates within six hours. And it's hard, and it doesn't come off. You can sand it, and sometimes it still doesn't come off. Right? Praise the Lord, because I developed a a leak in my engine. And it just hardened. Christ, the resurrection, is the activator of our faith. It is what activates the good news. There would be no good news if Christ didn't raise from the dead. We wouldn't have a pavement from our sin. Because He is alive, we can one day arise with Him. In verse 14, Paul is like, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. A dead Savior saves no one. Praise the Lord for the good news that He rose again. Friday wasn't it, right? Sunday's coming. And we're here proclaiming. That's, by the way, do you know why they call Sunday the Lord's Day? Because they celebrate the risen Savior. Every Sunday that church started celebrating, they called Sunday, the Lord's Day. That's why we meet here on Sunday. It it activated not only it activated the church, it activated our life with Christ when he rose. I love First Peter 1, 3 through 5, but especially it says at the end of verse 3, it says, and he that is God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at that, a living hope. That's not there by accident. Because Christ arose, we have a living hope. You know, I, I hope that my financing goes through on my house that we're put an offer on. It was accepted. We're waiting, or I'm hoping that, you know, but money it's not living, is it? Money comes, money goes. It's not a real I hope it happens, but that hope is not founded on something that's living. It activates the gospel. The other thing is it authenticates our faith. It says our faith is real. The resurrection says that we believe, what we believe has power. Guys, what God did for you was so powerful that he conquered death. And he has given that gift to us through Christ. With that same power that rose. Christ. See, I hope that shakes you. Because what God did for Christ, for Himself, when He died on the cross and He rose again on the third day, that is what He has given to you when He saved you from your sin. That same power. It is to make you who once were dead in sin and to make you alive together with Him. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing that God would use that power to make us alive with him. That's what it, in Ephesians it's amazing. Ephesians is, is amazing. It has all this same terminology. And, and I love it. It says in, in uh, verse 17 at the end there, in following, it says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Means opening the eyes of your heart that you may know what is the hope of what you've been called. He literally opens your hearts to that living hope, and to say that you're alive. You know, when you got saved, when you came to faith in Christ, and when you know that He saved, you're like, I know I'm saved. Because He opened that heart. You didn't have to open it up. Praise the Lord. Our faith is living. It's authenticated through the resurrection. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, if you go back just a few verses, In verse 1, he starts off, he says, now. That's an emphatic now. He says, I want to remind you. I would remind you, he says in verse 1, brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as the first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and then He raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and then He appeared. You see, He didn't just stop, with, and He rose again. Well, how do we know that? Well, listen. It says, And He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then He appeared to, to more than 500 brothers at once, most of whom are still alive at this time when He wrote this. And though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, talking about Paul when he met Christ on the road to Damascus and he got saved, he appeared also to me. He calls himself the least of the apostles, the last of the apostles. He's, I love that. We are, because of the resurrection, because he opens our heart when he saves you, it authenticates our faith. It also arranges for our justification. It arranges. I hope you understand the beauty of this. Justification is being proclaimed as right. I don't know about you, but I like to be proclaimed as right. Don't you? Right? And, and you want to raise your hand. And uh, I, I got to go to a, to a, uh, to a Good Friday uh, business party that is weird, you know. But that's Perry Pallet, man. They're just weird. <laughs> but I went to a good. Friday. It was on Thursday. We went to a Good Friday service on Thursday. I got smoked ham. That's a good thing. I'm not Jewish. And uh, smoked ham, all the trimmings. And I raised my hand, and I was declared right for answering a question right. And I got a coffee mug, and I love it because those of you know I lose my coffee mug. I don't even know where it is right now. So uh, it's somewhere in the church. Lisa will find it for me. Thank you. So uh, we have an amazing caretaker of the church. She finds everything for me. And it magically appears on my desk. I like to be claimed right. That's when when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And at the resurrection, the purpose of him... Living again was so that way he could proclaim us right through his death, burial, and resurrection. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow, right? God has accepted Jesus' death as a payment for our sin. Whoever puts their faith in him, right, will not perish but have everlasting life. Because he lives, we live. Because he died, he, we also have our sin put to death. Death for death, life for life. If he wouldn't have arisen, there would have been no arrangement for our sin. I love this, Romans 5.8. If you haven't memorized it, man, memorize it. I'm going to read it because I'll probably quote it in King James. And that's okay for some of you <laughs> that still have it. But let me read it. It says... But God, I love that, there's again, that but again, it changes everything. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, since therefore we have been justified. That means we have been made right through his death. By his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Not his life that he lived, but the life that he is now living at the right hand of the Father. You see that? Much more now that we are reconciled. We are made right. Reconciled the books. He canceled our debt and made us alive in Him. More than that, also I love that, verse 11. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Because He is alive, we are alive. He arranged for our justification. It also... It anticipates for the future. I don't know about you, but I long for the return of Christ. You know, one of the things is when he saves you, he gives a longing to see him face to face. It's so hard because when our loved ones pass away and we know that they're with Christ, it's kind of hard for us to realize that they're... They are not looking back at us, they are seeing Christ face to face, and they're in full in love with that. They've kind of forgotten about us, but they haven't, because God has perfected them, but they are just so in love with their Savior. They are just so extremely excited. It anticipates when we celebrate the resurrection, it's anticipating the future, and you'd miss something so beautiful in verses 17 down talking about our faith that it was futile and we we would be pitied if we didn't have the resurrection you know i i i don't i don't get it i look at people who have faith in temporary things i just don't know how they live that way i have a living savior who activates that power in my life that gives me a true hope when everything is going wrong in my life, I still have a living Savior. But I look at people who I know that don't have that, and their faith is in something that's just wasting away. And I I just sit there and I just, how can they live that way? I could never imagine living that way. I anticipate, I just long for Christ. But look at in verse 22, something very, very neat for as in Adam all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order Christ the first fruits then as his coming those who belong to Christ that word first fruits he is our first fruit do you know what that means in the old testament god commanded that they would take the first of their crops the first fruits and fruits of their labor, not first fruits as in, you know, the apples and the oranges and all those. I, I don't like pears, right? But, but and we and the house that we're hoping to buy has a pear tree, so my kids are going to get lots of pears. <laughs> my wife is like, I love pears. I bought it for the apple trees because my wife makes amazing apple pie, so we're going to freeze lots of apple pies. So I hope you guys like apple pies because I'm going to be giving away lots of apple pies. Uh, <laughs> Uh, You know, it's such a shame, isn't it? But, But the first fruits means the first fruits of our labor we're supposed to give to Christ. The first fruits was Christ dying on the cross. He gave his life for us to anticipate us coming to him. He is the down payment for our lives. The guarantee is literally what it's talking about. Christ The resurrection, why is it so important? Because it is the down payment for our lives that he will give us one day in Christ in heaven for the rest of eternity. Because he lives, there shall be a reunion someday. It's a guaranteed down payment. I love it. Right? His accounting never falls through. His bank account never runs dry that first fruit that He paid for us, it isn't going to go away because He's alive. That's why He's a living hope. The resurrection of Jesus represents our resurrection one day. Because if we have been united together in His likeness of His death, death to our sin, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Romans 6, 5. The resurrection of Jesus also anticipates our resurrection because we will be raised with a body like his, as in the first fruits offered to God. That's why Paul kept telling the Thessalonians, you know, don't be worried, don't fret, don't be anxious. The resurrection is coming. Amen? He is returning. He didn't just raise from the dead on Sunday all those years ago. He is coming back to take us home with him. So we will experience his resurrection. Just like him. Thank God he lives. Thank God he lives. Listen to... I can only... I can, you know, that's a good movie, by the way. but I can only imagine that day when it will be like to see God face to face. Listen to one who saw him face to face. Revelations chapter 1. Verse 12, he says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. One day, you know that still, small voice that's been speaking to you, the Spirit of God? One day we'll see him face to face. Good old John, he lasted being boiled in oil. He lasted all those persecutions. And he's got to see Christ once again face to face. He turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, the one like a son of man clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. His hairs on his head were white like the white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. And, on, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But, I love this. I have a hard time with this. It almost makes me want to cry every time. But he laid his right hand on me. You know how important that was? That, that signifies something, that right hand. Our Savior, our King, coming off his throne and very gently with his right hand comforting. He comforts us. He laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Isn't that amazing? Oh, to see Christ face to face. To have that relationship where He just says, Fear not. And He embraces you. That is so amazing. Jesus said to her, John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in me? That's really the million dollar question, isn't it? What does your hope build on? What is it built on? I pray just like that hymn, I hope, is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That one day your Savior will embrace you. That's the power that lives within you as a believer. Stop worrying about this world that's going to die and pass away. Worry about those who don't have the living Savior. How do we have unity in the church? It's through the power that was on the cross displayed to us through Christ and His resurrection. How do we love one another? We can't love one another. But the power of Christ living through us, we can embrace one another. It doesn't matter who's right because we have His righteousness. He is right. We are not right. Do you believe this? What is your hope built on? What activates your good news of the day? It's never the, you know, for those of us that still read the morning paper, I get it on my tablet. But I still get it in the morning. I read it. You know, 90%, never good news. I have to wade through about 90% of it before I find anything that's worthwhile. So I just flip over and, you know, I flip long enough and my app goes straight to my Bible. It's awesome. I find the good news, finally. Good news worth reading. Never find good news. But what activates your good news? Do you have an authentic, authentic faith that has been empowered by Christ for you? If, you've, if you're just, you know, it's one thing to be sad, but you have the power to live for tomorrow through Christ. Sadness is just but a moment to Christ. He loves you. One day he's going to embrace you, no matter how hard life gets. What arrangement, arrangements are you making to pay for your debt? You know, people live their whole life trying to make a boatload of money to try to pay the debt. That's my that's my stepdad's love. Not the dad I have now. My dad doesn't love money anymore. My, my dad now. My stepdad, for you that don't know me, I've had three dads. Biological dad, stepdad, and the dad I have now. He's my dad. He's my father. God gave him to me. What a blessing. He even... He he even conquered my dead relationship with the father and gave me a father. It's amazing what God can do in your life. After thirty years of praying, I got a father. But my stepdad, he loves money. He is not willing to give up. He's trying to resurrect millions. He I he, he is the only. I just so dumbfounded. He gains millions of dollars. He's been a millionaire three or four times over, and he loses it. <laughs> and then he gets it back again, and he loses it, and he keeps sinking that he's going to just conquer all of his sorrows, all of the debt that he's ever accrued in life, all the good things, all the bad things, if he could just keep the millions that he keeps making and losing. He never has peace. What arrangements are you making? Are you living through the resurrection of Christ? Are you letting that empower your life? Are you looking forward to your future with Christ? What is it? Are you serving a risen Savior? You know, I love that. He's not there, right? He's not there. There's a really good reason why he's not there. Because he's alive. Is your faith alive? I'm here to tell you, guess what? You know what's so cool? You don't have to do anything. Because he did it. Just go to him. Go to him. Ask him for forgiveness. Restore that relationship. Nothing is too bad. Because he paid it all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the real question. Do you believe? Let's pray.